Dun, dun, dun. The dating. This is the one where I keep getting phone calls. And literally, it's funny. It's from guys. I'm Sarah, and what you just heard was a conversation between me and my best friend, John. John has challenged me to 52 weeks to discover how I can get rid of Sonderlust. And what's interesting is he gave me four challenges and four ways to look at my life, but the one that most people are so interested in and the most calls we get are around my dating life. This week, we're going to dive into that a little bit with my dear friend, the Reverend Lisa Yaboa. Lisa Yaboa knows what it's like to be a woman of the cloth and try to be out there dating. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And at the end, we'll come back and hear about how all the other challenges are checking out. Dating Because Lisa is one of my only other friends in ministry who is single. Very single. I mean, <laughs> not that, you know, excuse me. Yeah. You know what's so funny is that probably more so than any other aspect in life, as a person who's now in ministry and full-time ministry in the local church, this idea of being in relationship with uh, mm-hmm. someone uh, beyond, you know, kind of friendship, how we understand friendship. I think it's it's where I gave the least amount of weight when I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. And it's now the area that I give the most amount of thought now that I'm actually in ministry. If I could do anything differently when I was in seminary and I was actually in a community with people who I could talk to and think through these things, I would have been a little more rooted and grounded in thinking about what is it going to mean for me that I'm going to give my life to ministry and also to try to also cultivate relationships uh, beyond friendships. So I know a little bit, but not too much. Before seminary, were you dating a lot? Like, did you date in high school and college? Mm-hmm. So when I was, I mean, when I was, in, when I was in high school and college, I would say, you know, I had like a pretty healthy kind of relationship life. I, in high school, my, my parents are West African immigrants. Anybody who's from Ghana will understand. West African parents don't necessarily like they don't have an ethic around dating. It's like you one day leave the house and you might get married and we're going to haggle your bride price kind of situation. So, I mean, but I definitely had a very healthy, like, you know, I had boyfriends, oh my gosh, and, um, you know, worrying about what am I going to get this person for uh, Valentine's Day. I will never forget getting this guy, a Luther Vandross single. <laughs> <laughs> now that I look back, I'm like, boy, I was real deep back in those days. Um, yeah, so yeah. And then when I was in college, same thing, you know, definitely, gosh, the... Uh, when I was a freshman, oh, there were lots of you know cute guys that I thought were the best things since sliced bread on my college campus. There was one particular guy who we had a really, really, really strong friendship and connection that basically lasted all throughout, like the last three years of, of my college life. When did you know you were going into ministry? Oof. That's a long story for a whole nother podcast. Uh, <laughs> I would say when I was a junior in college, not Thank that you. I thought I was going into ministry, I definitely felt like, gosh, I need to keep seminary open. For me, it was more around, will I decide to go to seminary? And when I got to seminary, I was not thinking about being a local church pastor. I was thinking I was going to do something more in regards to like social justice and advocacy, keeping one foot in the church, one foot in the world, which was probably my greatest, the thing that I did not take into consideration is once I think I made the decision or God claimed my life in local church ministry, that is a very different beast than if I had, I think, taken the trajectory of social justice and advocacy, like kind of an extension ministry beyond the church. Like you put the robe on and it, it changes dynamics with everybody. Right. And it doesn't even have to actually physically be a robe. No. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a role. Like, you know, I'm out and about and people are like, oh, what's your name? I'm like, oh, my name's Lisa. They're like, oh, okay, so what are you doing? I'm like, I'm a pastor and I can just like see Their whole like, all the 
you know, blood drain and, you know, they seize up a little bit and then they start to think through, oh my gosh, what have I said to this woman that's, you know, is going to defile her? So, <laughs> anyway. And, and sometimes you just want me defiled. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, like, no, I'm a human being, man, I'm a human being. Like, I think mm. that's the hardest thing is I think I had a really healthy dating life until seminary, dated in seminary. Mm-hmm. And in some ways thought I was dating the person I was going to marry. That mm-hmm. didn't work out for a bunch of reasons. I freaked out. And then we both kind of just went our separate ways. But... I think for me, I didn't realize because my dating life had been so healthy, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize what Mm -hmm. it was going to get like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, so when you ask about like my dating life, I guess in high school, college or seminary, uh, meeting people has never been an issue for me. Uh, I'm an extrovert's extrovert. So cultivating just relationships in general tend to be something that, that happens just on an instinctive level for me. And that also carried over in regard to like dating people or being in relationships. Uh, I, I just, I never worried about, oh, I'm not gonna meet someone or oh, yeah. you know, uh, I hope someone's going to set me up with someone. I never had to worry about that. I don't think that I prepared myself for the, the fact that once people ask you, you know, your name, which is typically the first question we use to connect with people, then the second thing is, you know, they wanna know what are you wed to, what are you yoked to, that as soon as I would tell people that I was yoked to the church, how that immediately was going to shift how people saw me. So who cares if I'm like funny or gregarious or an extrovert or any of those things, all they can hear is, oh my gosh, she's a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, also going through like a, I think I had like a, almost like this post-seminary, post, like my first year in ministry, like in the local church, almost like this kind of sadness around, oh my gosh, did I sign that part of my life away that, mm-hmm wasn't uh, wasn't a challenge and wasn't difficult have I have I signed it away and there was a a little bit of a grieving a grieving in that I think for me I thought because when I moved out I moved out to California and at first I was a youth pastor being a youth pastor gets you through a different door sure people people see that differently they are like oh she's a normal human who just really likes youth it wasn't until and so I dated like through my you know probably like 25 26 26 I dated and then all of a sudden it was like as soon as I became a local church mm-hmm. preaching pastor, you become, the word I keep saying is I don't feel human anymore. Hmm. And by human, I don't mean like I feel like I'm some sort of divine person. I feel like people don't treat me like a human. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think uh, we were talking about this some time ago, that there is something, uh, and I don't think people mean to, I don't think people mean to do this. And a dear friend of mine kind of helped me to put, put flesh on um, the emotion I was feeling, and that is, the first thing that people think when I say I'm a pastor is that, oh my gosh, I'm going to judge them. Like that somehow this puts me in this league of holiness that no one else can also enter into. Uh, and on one hand, that can be really endearing and really beautiful that someone you know, thinks that your vocation makes you um, special or compassionate or really kind or you know, one without flaws or sin or whatever they think. But there's also something dehumanizing about that. Um, and so what my friend one time said that you can almost put someone on a pedestal to the point that you no longer make them human, mm-hmm. um, that that person now becomes so fearful of failing or, or showing you that they do have fissures and cracks, or they place you so high on a pedestal that now you no longer let me be in community. Like mm-hmm. I'm on this island by myself, I guess just to be a pure, you know, like Mary waiting for the you know, <laughs> spirit to come and to wanna, you know, get to know me a little bit better. And that doesn't work either. So I wanna like extend grace to people who, thought that they were they were saying something special about who I was but also to want to hold us accountable to say 
when you do that, when you kind of like over spiritualize a person, you also isolate that person. I think Lisa's right. When we aren't treated like humans, when we're somehow treated like an other, we begin to feel like we're separate from community. I think that's sometimes why pastors mess up so much and sometimes in huge ways. It's because they've been isolated from the very community that they created. I don't want that. And so I know for me, I'm going to have to fight for my humanity and fight for the reality that I'm just a person like everyone else. And that although God has called me into this lovely invitation of being a pastor, it doesn't mean that I'm not a person first. And that's the thing is like, I think this year for me and the work that I'm doing even on this podcast is about helping me and helping other people mm-hmm. see my humanity. And mm-hmm. it is, it's really hard for people like, as other clergy mm-hmm. are like, I like what you're doing. It makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> something you just said. I don't know why this came up. Just came up. You haven't asked me about it, but I'm going to tell you. Anyway, I, 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 this is what it's for. This whole thing about being more human, you bumping into yourself. So <laughs> back in the day, well, I, no, I, I would say there are certain seasons that I will decide to get to do online dating. <laughs> and all my friends ask me, so do you tell people in your profile, like upfront, that you are a pastor? Or do you wait till you go out with someone to let them know you're a pastor? And I've done both. I've done the profiles without my vocation. And then I felt like, well, it! everybody else is, is allowed to tell me what they do. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to be sheepish about it? And I want a man who can see that I'm a pastor and will be like, uh, and she still seems fleaky. I'm about to, you know, hit her up. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a poker. I'm a poker on the webs, you know? Um, so, you know. I'm a swipe. Yeah, yeah, I'm a swipe. I'm a swipe on the webs. Uh, and then I've also done it where I have, you know, shared with people uh, what, you know, what I do. And, um, but it's interesting that my friends, their first thought is, so do you tell people what you do? Like it's because like they Because they know. Because they know that, like, uh, that could change the way someone approaches you. And, th- and again, that feels like so isolating. And I don't ever want to apologize for the call that God has gifted me into, like invited me into. Like that feels really wrong that I have to mute a particularity about myself just to be asked out to go have dumplings. <laughs> so for all you men out there who, um, who are listening to this, like, give us a break. Like, I want some dumplings, but I also want to tell you what I do without you automatically assuming which we need to talk about that. What people automatically assume when you when they know that you're a pastor. Continue. Well, I think there are some things that are assumed. Like, so one of the things that I think day is I accidentally became a nun. <laughs> like, yeah. I used to. Yeah. I went from, and you did too. Yeah. We went from being like sorority girls in college. That doesn't mean I was like out there. No crazy. No, 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 no. But I was, you know, social. I was seen as I was seen. You had a vibrant, robust life. I had a vibrant and robust life. life. Yeah. And then I get to seminary where dating was never a problem and it was never a thing. And then to be like almost desexualized mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. and and to even like for me to say that right now sounds well I shouldn't say that. But we don't like the the reality is like we should be able to have the fullness mm-hmm. of someone like so find someone attractive Mm -hmm. find them smart find them spiritually interesting Mm -hmm. i mean the sad part is do you know who do a better job of being okay with who i am in fullness Mm non-christians yeah that's it's really interesting so you know one of the vows we take i guess in ordination is um celibacy and singleness fidelity and marriage i take those vows very very seriously i just i i just i'm not you know what too bad i signed my life away and this is what i what i said but that doesn't mean that that now like erases the fact that there's a beauty in 
my femininity or there's a beauty in my sexuality or there's a, a beauty in how I move through the world in sensual ways. I mean, it's one, one of the reasons why I love our Catholic and Episcopalian brothers and sisters because there's so much about worship that is really sensual. Like it, it engages the fullness of like the body. And I think sometimes men, when it comes to like relationships or whatever, want to mute that. Like they just automatically make me into this like asexual, <laughs> you know, you just need to live behind a veil and I'll talk to you behind the glass kind of situation. I proclaim a God who invites us into a very bodily faith. And, and it is, it, it's probably frustrates me more than anything when people ask me questions like... <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so I've had people say to me, so now, are you allowed to go, like, watch R-rated movies? Allowed. Are you allowed to go watch R-rated movies? And now I will... So <laughs> I also had this one guy who was like, I, like okay, so I want to, like... Um, like, can I, like, hold your, uh, so can I, like, hold your hand? I'm like, homie, you are, like, sweating so hard. I'm like, yeah, you are allowed to hold my hand. And this feels really, you're kind of creeping me out a little bit. And he finally one day confessed to me that, um, like, reaching in for a kiss, it, it, like, he had to literally, like, psych himself up. Like, you know, sit in the car and listen to Eminem's Lose Control <laughs> just to get himself into a place to, to do that. I, I just found out, actually, in the course of working on this podcast. So I was kind of getting ready to get engaged when I was 20, no, 30. I was 30. And um, he had, we'd gone ring shopping. Mm-hmm. He'd talked to my dad. Our friends knew mm-hmm. it was coming. Our other friends got engaged and we, he had talked to the guy to make sure it wasn't the same time. And he, he left. And late, I just discovered, he actually told my best guy friend, I just don't want to be married to a Methodist pastor. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't like the itineracy idea. I don't like the idea of having to like mm-hmm. be a pastor's husband. Mm-hmm. And it was like, because let me tell you, there are women who chase male pastors. Yes. Like that is their like dream yeah. to be well, married to a pastor. There is no, I feel like there is no one out there chasing the female in the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's that's really interesting. I don't think I, I I'm grateful to hear the story because uh, it's, it's slightly, but not exactly the same um so this uh gentleman that was i was just so connected to in college that i just thought oh somehow one day we're going to be married to each other um we had gone our separate ways and you know one of those individuals you kind of keep in touch with and Mm -hmm. we were you know in conversation i was kind of thinking this might work out this might really work out and so we were having conversation i was like you know listen i'm willing to to do the travel, the long distance thing. Yeah, you know, we can yeah, make yeah. we can make this work. I'm just in a in a in a much better place in life. And um, and he said to me, and so honestly, he said, you know, Lisa, I when we were in relationship with one another, I knew what it was like to be number one. And now that and and now that you're in ministry, I know that I could I will never be num- like I won't be that kind of number one. And to be honest. As hard as it was to hear him say that, there was a there was a truth about that. Like, um, mm. not to say that I would never value my you know my my spouse uh, or that by any means, uh, but there is a certain level of like connection of having to give yourself away to lots of people mm-hmm. that was very different than when I was in college. And all I did was write him notes and you know special. Um, gifts and all these kind of things. Now, I, I think that I, I would have to rethink what my life looks like now in regards to what I give to the to the life of the church and what I give to my family. But um, but he was he was he he was saying something that was true. Like 
there, there is a sense that you marry me, you marry this vocation. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm just not quite sure I can get down with marrying that. Because I, I mean, I also know folks who, who do have spouses who are a little bit almost so missing in action that I can see how that would be difficult. I mean, I don't need a co-pastor. Let, let me just go ahead and put that out there. No, I don't. I don't need a co-pastor. No, we you. don't need. You don't need to be playing the guitar, and I don't need to be singing the songs. <laughs> need, we don't need to be purchased peaches and herb. It's it's none of that. You know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that kind of thing. But I'm actually I, somehow not attracted to pastors. No, mm -mm. I, I did, the one time I dated someone else who was quasi in ministry. <laughs> homeboy thought it. Well, he just made everything into competition, and that just I. I had no time for that. I think guys have been unfortunately socialized to, I think, a little bit to see uh, women that are intelligent as intimidating, mm -hmm. like it's a competition. Sure. Because I think, unfortunately, we have our males, it's changing, but unfortunately within, you know, straight relationships the, and males who are um, sort of raised in this Western American culture, it's this idea of, like, you have to, like, be competing with everyone mm -hmm. so I need to if I'm gonna have a partner then that partner needs to think I'm great and the fear is this person's intelligent and therefore won't be able to um, like is intimidating and won't have space or room for me to be mm -hmm. um, winning sure you know and I think that the media doesn't help with that so I think that's the weird thing like oh Sarah is really um, intelligent so she's gonna be constantly judging me or mm -hmm. valuing me based on what I say I'm like the world's in relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm a goofball because mm -hmm. that's my safe space. That's my sacred space. That's like, I'm just going to be me and be mm -hmm. the weirdest version of me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hard part. I think, so the intimidation part, I think people assume, like you say, the moralist part mm -hmm. or like, <laughs> I love that lingerie is going to be uh, flannel. Pajamas. Mm -hmm. Pajamas. And it's also, I think, the fear of like, can can I curse around this person? Mm -hmm. Can I have a bad day around this person? Friends, I have a, the mouth of a sailor. <laughs> well, you, you have, well, I don't necessarily have the mouth of a sailor. West African parents, they don't. West Af well, you. you're also in the South. Yes, well, um, but I do feel like, uh, I, I, I think this idea of, I'm going to be policed in this relationship. Yep. And again, that's a dehumanizing moment in that uh, I would pray that whoever I am with, we would both want to be our best selves because God is a God who redeems, God is a God who breathes life into us, which means that we are both willing to be vulnerable and to know that when we fail, there's a, a Jesus who can pick us up. Um, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do Jesus's job, you know? Now, is, there, is there advice that you would give to like younger us? Hmm. Like the girls who are in seminary or, because one of the things, when I spoke at this event, one of the things that people kept saying to me is like, my daughter's never seen a female clergy like you. Mm -hmm. And now she's thinking about it. I don't know whether that was an accusatory thing <laughs> or like a yay. Um, what would I tell my younger self? I think I'll tell my younger self um, to not be fearful. I think I would have told, I would tell my younger self not to rush into something because out of a sense of like scarcity, like, oh no, once you become, it's all over. But I would also have told my younger self, you need to know that not everyone um, will understand this calling that's on your life. Um, I think I would tell folks who are young women or uh, my contemporaries who are in seminary now uh, to learn what it is to live an integrated life 
not yep. to be, yep. uh, you know, and I, I say this a lot only because I, it came out of an epiphany in counseling. There's a difference between being a person and being a persona. Mm. And it'll catch up with you real quick if you try to, if you're trying to be a persona. And so um, be a pastor and be a person. And, but don't be, you try to become a persona, you'll become a performer. When you become a performer, you will, you will crash and you will burn and you will hurt people. Yes. Um, and you'll be no good to anybody. And I think you may even find yourself performing for the sake of trying to be in relationship and not be the kind of person that you feel good about. So I would also say, like, you know, just really invest in your friendships. Yeah. Make your life compelling. You have really good advice. Well, Sarah, because I, cause I got a lot of time to think about these things since I don't go home to a spouse. <laughs> <laughs> we journal. I pontificate. I just sit and I pontificate. I think anyway. it's true. I think I love what you said about, like, don't rush into anything, but have your eyes open in a different way. I, I recently heard these uh, girls who I know who are in their 20s in my uh, gym, just gorgeous, you know. And they were talking about these boys that were asking about, this, you know, and their, their abundance, their mm-hmm. idea of abundance. And I got kind of bitter. I was like, oh, like, oh, I'm seeing this person. And I'm dating a lot right now because mm-hmm. of this show, which is really hard for me. This is a whole new Do world. I need to get a podcast of it? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, they did not ask me out because of the show. Okay. It just opened me oh, up. Merry Christmas. Okay. To actually saying yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, that's Because I used good. to say no all the time. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. So I'm saying yes to people I, I would never have yeah. originally. And so now I'm, I'm meeting people and learning about people in a different mm. way than I used to. But these girls were like shooting these guys left, right, and center. I thought, oh, I used to be able to do that. And then I walked out and I was like, that is the worst attitude. I mm. used to be able to like decide. Now I'm left with leftovers. And I'm working really hard to be like, no, Sarah, like if you believe that God, like the, the God that you talk about, Sometimes it's really interesting how you think that God is for other people, hmm. but not for you. And so I just some feel like this is the year of me starting to be grateful for where I'm at mm-hmm. and also expectant for where I'm going next hmm. and believing in it instead of being like, oh, look at those. Those girls are so lucky they get to be like that. Because when I walked out, I was like, you know what? There, there's an opportunity for me as well. I feel like I would not sleep well if I didn't say this other thing, and that is I think think none of us should ever think of being in relationship as now being the penultimate of life. Oh, um, yes, yes, I think yes, we've, yes. Uh, we've, I think in our society, whether within the Christian tradition or, or just in our wider culture, we sometimes make being in relationship squad goals. You know, we have hashtags for, you know, relationship goals, all these types of things where we almost make being in relationship this penultimate of what it also means to be like human and desirable. And um, so though I have a desire and I want to make space in my life for someone, that that space is somehow so large that the way in which God, like the God-sized you know, space I think we all have, um, that God fills, I'm not thinking that, oh, gosh, once I get into a relationship, it'll all get better. Because I, I think that sometimes That's that can be... That's an ultimate failure. Yeah, I right think there. that can I've be seen major. That. You know, I've counseled couples where I realize, like, oh, my gosh, you think this is the end of the story. Mm-hmm. No. And that's what movies do. Yeah. And that's what culture creates and I think that's the beauty of our lives in that we filled them there's great and beautiful things around them and I don't think relationship is the end no because something could happen to your spouse that's right that's right they could leave or you know you just put too much pressure on it if you say so I think you're right it's all this stuff that you're talking about is this integration Mm -hmm. of integrating every part of our life Mm -hmm. and like opening it up and being willing to look at it and I think that's what 
for me this year is about is like actually opening up and saying, you know what, there's a lot of personas I've created mm-hmm. in a lot of different areas and I want to merge Sarah together. Yep, yep. I want it to be like this one. So when this girl said to me this weekend, she's like, you're just like, who? you're just so you. Mm. I was like, yeah, but you know what? It, it was hard for me to be me mm-hmm. back in the day. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning what it means to be me now. And I'm, I might get it wrong, but I'm, I'm excited about what that would look like to be in relationship with someone who's getting me and not performer me. So yeah, yeah. I am so thankful for your time. Yeah, We're sitting in a dark you. room. I, I think- know it's timers on lights. I love it. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Not too shabby. So, um, John. This is our yes. three-month Sandra Less the Podcast anniversary. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Three months. Three months. That's a long time. What's new? What have you accomplished? Well, I mean, I feel like I've accomplished a lot. Do you feel like I've accomplished a lot? Maybe. Okay, well, let's go through, just to remember, do you remember the four things you challenged me to do? No. Seriously? You don't remember? Well, if, I kind of do, but had I been in the hyperbaric longer, I would really have it down. But Are you blaming your concussions on the reason you don't remember the like life-changing challenges you made me? Yes, and I'm like wrapped up in a blanket on a couch and really cozy, mm. so it's, it's a weird state. It's... <laughs> All right, so the four challenges are Boom. number one was love. that I had to love my job. Yes. Right? You do have to love your job, yeah. Not just like it, I had to love it. Okay. Uh, number two, I had to have friends outside of my work environment. Yep. Number three, I had to start dating. Mm-hmm. Number four, I had to like where I live, love where I live. Yes. Yeah. So let's just start with one. So one, I'm starting to love my job, if I'm honest. I think you are. I, I can give you that. As I saw you at your job the other day. Yeah, I the community that we're creating is incredible. Um, okay. I think I've started to have this sort of sense, like as I've been talking to some of the, I mean, I think we'll dive into my career even more, but as I've sort of been realizing, actually doing this podcast, everybody and their mom has started, I get like Facebook messages almost daily of people who are like, you just encourage me in my ministry to be myself and be who I am or a phone call or a text message or like mm-hmm. people read out, reach out on Instagram to yeah. be like, hey, just heard the latest podcast. I'm a person in ministry, male or female, who's always felt like I couldn't be myself, but you're helping me see that I can totally be myself and be honest about like my passions and loves. So it's kind of great. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's still some challenges, okay. there's difficulties every day. But I know but for right now, for this season, where I'm at. We're in a good spot. We're in a, we're in a pretty good spot. So I feel like I'm doing better there. Okay, good. We're I will s- testify this to that and wit- I've witnessed it. So you did I come and surprise check me and, there. and check out what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. Loving where I live. Mm-hmm. Right? I How do I feel about where I live? Um, I think that's a work in progress. Okay. I don't think we're, I don't think we've moved on that one. Loving where I live. We're working on it. Okay. Um, then the uh, friends outside of work. You know what's cute? Another thing that our listeners are amazing at. I have been getting people emailing and texting and saying, "Hey, I don't 
go to your church. I want to be your friend. People are worried about me and my friend and my ability to make friends. And I think that's kind of sweet. That is sweet. And I'm going to say you need that. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting better at that. I think so. Oh, there was hesitation. You don't think I'm getting better? You still do spend, and and I'm not judging, a little bit. Uh, you still spend a lot of time outside of work with the church people. And that's not bad. Maybe I enjoy I, them. No, I know. I know. I know you do enjoy them. And I think that's good. But I do think you need to block a little more time that's just separate. Not because they're not great, because they are great. And I've met several of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you need to block time because that also your mind still isn't thinking work. You need to block time to hang out with people that have nothing to do with it. Mm. So you're not thinking about it. So you take a break from it. You know, you have to shut that off. I do think, though, I feel like I'm really trying to convince you that I'm doing better at these things. I do think I've gotten better. No, I, I, I do admit you have gotten better. But I'm saying you still have a ways to go. Okay, so now now is where you will start talking about dating. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I have been out on some great dates. Mm-hmm. I have actually not done any uh, too awkward dates. Okay. I have had some awkward Bumble encounters. All right. Um, I had one guy ask me if I was into toys, and I don't think he meant, like, do you like Beanie Babies? I don't think that's... You matched with Matt Lauer. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And he was great until he started asking me those kind of things. And I'm like, did you not read the part where I said I'm a pastor? Hey, you never know. I know. So then it turns out you were really wrong, John. (laughs) no i don't think so so you told me that the date or the time that i hung out with that guy and we exchanged books wasn't a date so it was a date no i didn't say it wasn't a date i said you didn't clarify i was like you need to clarify and it wasn't that it wasn't a date i for your sake you need to clarify when things are or are not dates but so I'm guessing you went out with said said man again. I went out with the book man. I'll call him the and, book club. All right. You went out with the book club. Yep. And But the next time you clarified that it was a date, did you not? I did not. He did. He did. He said, hey, next time we hang out, can it actually be on a date? Okay. So, which proves my point, uh-huh. the book club was not actually a date. Because oh, crap. You're said, right. Yep. Bam. Oh, I'm good. Leave that in, Corey. The people need to know. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, I, I've gone out with him quite a bit. And yeah. he's not my type at all. In some ways. I shouldn't say at all. He's not yeah, my I was type. Say. Uh, what I had in the past defined as my type, he's not. Exactly. Um, But I have seen him quite a few times. Mm-hmm. And so that's going well, but uh, also because of this, uh, a friend of mine who had, we hung out before, um, asked me if he could take me out. And I've gone out with him a couple of times now. Oh, 
maybe really just once, um, but he wants to take me out again. And then I hung out with one. So three guys are in the are in the atmosphere currently. And if they're listening to this right now, you're all really lovely. And this is really hard for me. And I sound like the worst person ever. I actually just want to edit my life at this point. Um, I've never done this multiple dating thing. John, how do you do it? Mm, as a guy, I don't. It's too expensive. You told me that I had to do this. So what do you mean you don't do it? I, as a guy. As a guy, I don't. Because a guy should be, especially on the first several dates, should be paying for the dates. So as a guy, I'm not going to date four people at once. That's a lot of output of cash. Okay, well. And here's okay. the other thing with that. That sounds really callous and harsh. But I can't do that. I can't juggle people. I'm horrible at it. I can't either. You yeah, but you need to. What? You need to. No. How do I need to and you don't need to? Oh, so you don't want to date multiple people. Uh, it's not my favorite. It's not your favorite, huh? Interesting. So this is where I have a question for you. Now, I'm, okay, you have a question, and I'm going to go down a rabbit hole that you probably won't like. Oh, geez, Louise. Um, yeah. I feel like I am getting to a point where, even though I like all of these guys, mm-hmm. like, and could actually see myself dating more significantly all of them oh my gosh i'm the worst there is mm-hmm. one who i'll be honest is the most surprising of them all mm-hmm. uh who i enjoy spending my time with and mm-hmm. i notice that i reach out to you on a more regular basis so how long do i have like because i i think the more i drag these other guys who are incredible like along, mm-hmm. I feel like, do you not invest in one? And so the other ones are like, hey, if this doesn't work out, like I'm still super I- interested. I just, I feel like I need to go where this is, like I need to figure out where this is going. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I don't know how this goes, John. Help. <laughs> That's exactly where it goes. And you know when you know. I don't know that okay. I, I mean, I know, I know, I know you when do I don't want to know. And I know you do know because apart from this phone call, being recorded we've had conversations yeah and i know and i think it's time to maybe step it up a notch with seeing your book club okay so here's the thing okay the other day him and i were out can i call him senior is that is that appropriation i don't want to do that oh uh feels a little appropriation ishy okay lord lord book club Lord, that's funny that you say that because we were out in the city of Orange mm. enjoying the Christmas lights, which are beautiful and yeah. magnificent. Did you walk in a circle? We we did walk in a circle. Uh, orange circle, that is. And uh, he actually uh, and I were walking into a restaurant um, and we were hand in hand as one does mm-hmm. on a date. Interlocked fingers? Um, I mean, yeah. What does that mean? Is that bad? No, it's good. I'm just wondering. Were you just holding hands or were they interlocked fingers? I feel like they might have been interlocked. I hope they were. Okay. All right. Go ahead. You're walking into... So you distract me. So walked into the store and we ran into your college buddy. 
we walked in uh, clearly together in that moment, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. And we ran into one of your college friends and he said in front of the guy, so how long have you guys been dating? Uh. And I felt really awkward about it because it's like, oh, uh, you've been dating. We've been dating. Yeah. But like, it feels weird because isn't dating like a commitment thing? Uh, I mean, it is a bit of a commitment. You're, you've committed to spending time with them. But I mean, isn't like, how long have you been dating makes me think like, oh, we officially said it's us yeah. at that point. Yeah, you did the DTR. We haven't done that. Yeah. Because it's like you said, like, I've been trying out all the different things and the different people yeah. and yeah. some things I love, some things I don't. Because here's the thing, and here's why you do that. It lets you realize as you're dating different people and different types of people it makes you realize what you what you're drawn to what you like and yep. and and clearly he is not someone who was your typical the type of guy you would Mm-mm. have typically typically gone after in the past but he's nice finding your, yeah which is huge the thing that's hard is like i'm also noticing that my ability to deal with guys that aren't nice is really plummeting <laughs> like I went out to dinner with a guy that I've always been super into, super attracted to. Just in some ways it was like, you know, he's a really comfortable person for me. Mm-hmm. And as he started about talking about the way he's treating the woman he's currently dating, I literally felt my stomach turn like I don't want to be her. Like I don't want to oh. be her at all. That is not it would be much better. Like I'm so glad I'm your friend. But my God, to be treated like that would be horrible. And I have been treated like that in so many relationships because I just didn't feel like I was worth more. Yeah. So to be treated like kind of great has been new and scary and I don't know, right? Yeah. So this Lord Book Club is... Lord Book Club. He is... Describe him to us. (laughs) <laughs> the good feet the good, his attributes that you really like attributes um he is funny okay like really funny uh he is dorky but in like a good way okay um he is very much a different mind than i am so he's very business minded where i am not um he is creative Mm-hmm. He has really cool style, which is fun. Uh, mm-hmm. He's, I don't know, he's just kind. Like, in the middle of the day, we'll ask, hey, how's your day going? And not like, hey, how's your day going? That's just like, how are you doing? But like, tell me. So like one day, he won't let me just say, hey, how's, you know, I won't. he won't let me just answer how my day is going. He will literally ask me, well, what was your favorite part of it? Like, if I say, oh, today was great. He would say, Awesome. So what was your favorite part? Um, So he just has this like engagement ability that I really like. He's also pretty adventurous, which is fun. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I am a big time skier and he's Mm -hmm. into snowboarding. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. He's into rock climbing as well. He's into working out like I am. Uh, So it's good. And he also has an element of faith. And I have always run away from the guys that had an element of faith. In fact, we work in the same industry, which has always weirded me out. Mm. So that could be our problem. And who knows how it'll go, you know? Yeah. 
but it could maybe not be a problem. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I guess we will see. And that's a scary thing about starting a relationship with someone. There's so many variables you don't know about. For me, the idea of dating someone who's in ministry, I gotta love the fact that earlier I said to my own friend Lisa that I'm never attracted to a pastor, and yet here I am finding myself beginning something with a pastor. That's about as specific as I'm gonna get. The truth is, during this beginning phase of a relationship, I think it's important for it to stay private. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about some non-specific things about dating, because it is one of the challenges, and I want to remain authentic to you. So even though I won't be giving you the specifics of our relationship or even about who he is, because I don't think that's fair to him or to what we're starting. But don't worry, we're still going to talk about dating and what it's like to date someone who's in leadership, whether in ministry or wherever it is that you're a leader. In the next episode... We're going to dive into one of the things that a lot of people have fear of, and that is being able to maintain a healthy lifestyle when you're in leadership. About a year ago, I wrote an email to one of the trainers at my gym. My gym is owned by two trainers, Kara and Dane, and they've created such an incredible community that I felt comfortable reaching out. I had taken a class on nutrition with Dane, and so I was able to tell him how disappointed I was in the way that I was unable to control the way I eat. Dane wrote one of the most beautiful responses I've ever got, reminding me that my body is just a, a vessel for who I am and that I really shouldn't worry about that as much, but instead to start to see myself holistically. Dane and Kara are incredible at creating community, and they're also incredible at helping you see your body as this almost sacred thing. I'm excited to have them on the next episode as they share with us about what it's like to holistically see ourselves as well, not just physically, but mentally. You're going to love hearing from them, and I hope you're as inspired as I am. So thank you for three months. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of my life. And as always, good luck finding your own bliss as together we tackle this difficult thing of getting rid of Sandra Lust. Sandra Lust, the podcast is hosted by me, Sarah Heath. This episode was produced by myself, Allie Fleming, and Corey Severi. Corey is also our team's editor and Allie handles our graphics. Our website and marketing is done by Alex Maldonado. Our theme is written and performed by Daniel Robert. You can visit us anytime at www.sandralustthepodcast.com. And to find out more about yours truly, please visit revsarahheath.com.